This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen, amen. Well, I'm going to hear something funny. <laughs> so, so this guy is a school bus driver, and and uh, he drives a bus for high school kids, and it's Christmas time, and the kids all gave him cards and presents, and he thought, man, I must be a good driver. Kids even like me that much. And so when he got home, he opened up the cards, and inside one of the cards said, thanks for not killing us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> a little girl climbed into Santa's lap, and Santa asked the unusual question, what would you like for Christmas? The child stared at him with her mouth open, and she was horrified for a minute. Then she gasped, didn't you get my email? <clears throat> One more? <laughs> Can I redeem this? A four-year-old boy was asked to give the meal blessing before Christmas dinner, and family members bowed their heads in expectation. He began his prayer, thanking God for all his friends, naming them one by one. Then he thanked his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, grandpa, grandpa, aunts, uncles, and he began to thank God for the food. He thanked God for the turkey, the dressing, the fruit salad, the cranberry sauce, the pies, the cakes, even the cool whip. Then he paused, and he waited, and he waited, and after a long silence, the young fellow looked up at his mother and asked, if I thank God for the broccoli, won't he know that I'm lying? <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Uh, I want to talk to you, I actually had something I was going to speak on, and I kind of shifted directions um, uh, for today, I, uh, for our candlelight service, and I subtitled this message, Saying Yes to God and no to the lie, saying yes to God, and no to a lie. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary responds, okay, Mary responds, she says this, I am the Lord's servant, may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, when you think about Mary in the history of the church, Mary, she's often portrayed as this uh, kind of a foggy, kind of this other-than-worldly figure. I mean, if you look at some of the pictures of Mary and the paintings, she looks so beautiful and so peaceful and so angelic. How many know what I'm talking about? It's if you come from some denomination churches and we grew up Catholic, and Mary was just like, wow. She probably glowed as a teenager and had a halo around her head. And, and you know, I can't wonder, she, you know, no, of course God would choose someone like that. But the Gospel of Luke makes it clear that she was very real, and she had real doubts, and she had real questions, and she uh, had a very real faith. Nowhere more is this scene clearer in this verse 38 in Luke chapter 1, where we just read. She responds to the angel Gabriel and says, Mary answered, may it be unto me as you have said. Can we just say that? Because I think that is a powerful uh, statement. And at the end of this service, you'll understand what I mean. Let's say that. Say, may it be as you have said. Why don't you think about that? Then the Bible says the angel Gabriel, he left her. <clears throat> Without exaggeration, we may call this one of the greatest statements of faith in the Bible. One of the greatest statements of faith. And so we often forget how great her statement actually really was. Let me jump into that. 
So just think about it. Let's just kind of rewind it back here in time. It's three, three o'clock in the afternoon. You're 16 years old. You're in love. This guy, his name's, his name's uh, uh, <clears throat> Joseph. And your mom goes, asks you to fetch some water. She wants you to do laundry. So you're excited. You just got to step, you know, skipping your step. And you run to the well. So you run into this, this man, and you've never seen this guy before. And he's kind of radiant and strange and a little angelic. And, and then he goes, hey, Mary, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. And he's going to be the son of God. Wait, what? What did you just say? I mean, and you ask how. It's like, how is this going to happen? The response is, Mary, don't worry about it. Holy Spirit will cover you like a cloud. You'll end up pregnant. And that's all there is to it. Goodbye. And he leaves. You know, what do you say to something like that? How do you respond to something like that? Mary said yes. I think that's very powerful. She said yes to God. She said yes to something that was impossible in the natural. It'd take a miracle. She said yes to the plan of God. I would imagine in that moment, because, you know, a lot of times when they would see an angel or something in the Old Testament, that it was a sign of fearful, maybe death was imminent, and they were frightened, and so she was trembling. I can see her hands shaking and her eyes bugging out and her mouth wide open, and, you know, she may be questioning, but she's really not, you know, She's wondering, but not terrified. She's unsure, but she's, she's not uncertain. And, and the angel said this. It said, nothing is impossible with God. Somebody say amen. Mary took a deep breath and said, be it unto me as you have said. Think about that. See, friends, with those words, Christmas came into being right there. She agreed with God. She agreed with God. But here's the thing I want to focus on. There was a cost to Mary's life to say yes. You know, we've really dumbed down the gospel. Come on now. We really dumbed it down. You know, where at times, you know, there was preachers in the 50s, they were real fiery, and they would have people come on down. And, you know, some of you remember the tent crusades. I'm dating myself. I was part of some of those. I traveled with a traveling evangelist when I was a kid, 15 years old, set up the tent. This guy, you know, was a former Marine, a Marine, and, and uh, he was on a ship stationed, and he actually had to prop. His name was Brother Reynolds. We would uh, help with the aircraft taking off and did security, and a prop cut him in part of his head, and, and uh, he survived. It was a miracle, and, and he was a tent evangelist. He had miracles in his ministry. Literally, it was miracles. So I traveled with him and at 15 years old for, for two weeks. His brother, brother Reynolds, and he was very stern. He had like nine or 12 or 18 kids. I don't know. He had a lot of kids. And all of those kids did something in setting up the tent, setting up that tent. And so I was, I was part of that. And it was, it, it was a blessing. And, but he was very strong in his preaching, one unapologetic. And now we make apologies. Come on now. Well, you know, it, 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 it's okay with you and me. I mean, God loves you, and if it doesn't inconvenience you in your life, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not mean. The gospel is loving. The gospel is far-reaching. But it, there's a cost for you to follow Jesus. If you don't think there's a cost, you believe the long Jesus. I mean, I could be in the Middle East right now, and how many know there's a cost to following Jesus? Right? There's, there's costs in America. It's just this kind of easy believism and kind of just take it or leave it. And, you know, I kind of heard that and no big deal. And that's not the gospel. It costs Mary something to say yes. And it'll cost you and I also. Not works. We'll get into that in a moment. But 
What was it? For her, there was rumors. There was lies. She had sleepless nights. And it, it cost Mary to say yes to God. Let me just say this. Becoming a Christian is not some kind of rabbit's foot thing you pray that's about a paragraph long. And then you go, I got that done. I checked that off. Now I'm going to go on and live my life. That's not the gospel. That's, that, that's the, the gospel is something that will apprehend and change your life totally to the day you die. We'll, we'll, we'll grip you. We'll change everything about you. Change the way you think. Change the way you act. Change the way you respond to sin and situate. It'll change everything. Change the friends you hang out with or you're used to who are pulling you down. It'll change everything in your life. That's the gospel. Somebody say amen. And so from that moment on, she faced the astonishment, disbelief of her friends. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, if I could just bring it up from now back then to 2019. Just my version here. Bear with me, okay? Learning a little. Mary, seriously, I mean, are you that insecure that you need to go to this extent to get that many views and hits on your social media page? Come on, Mary. Why would you say something like that? I mean, how could you ever expect us to believe such a wacky story? You know how many people are going to block you and unfriend you? Let alone try to hack your identity. I mean, you're going to have to get identity surgery. I mean, here's it. How about the text? Slanderous gossip, the neighborhood. OMG, did you hear about Mary? I wonder if she's going to post a big reveal. <laughs> I guess Joseph finally got lucky. Who is this guy? <clears throat> I knew she was a floosy. Come on now. That has lasted 2,000 years. You can title it, label it how any generation, but it still lasts to this day. You say amen. Mary knew or she would soon realize that saying yes to God meant misunderstanding. It meant public shame. It meant a tons of lies flying around out there about her that weren't true. I mean, gone was her pure reputation with her dreams of a quiet, happy life in Nazareth. Yes, in the future, her life at times would be happy, but it would never, ever be quiet again. Isn't that right? You're the one that bore the sun. Never. So here's the thing. Since we know the end of the story, sometimes we tend to overlook the possibility of another thing, getting this information, saying yes to Jesus. She was in love with somebody, was she not? Come on now, Joseph. The possibility of divorce, separation. You know, at that time, they would have engagements and there would be, a, you know, a, a period of time where they would be engaged and then the, the, the future husband would work with the, the, the father and and, 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 you know, build a home and get situated. And, you know, they didn't consummate the marriage, but it was known. They were engaged, you know, that whole time. And, and then there was the, the ceremony. And so it was, it, that already had happened. That was the announcement. Everyone knew that she, she was engaged at this time. And bam, she starts showing. A couple months along the way, she starts showing. How many know that would be a challenge in that day and age? She, she, she had no way of knowing how Joseph would respond to her pregnancy. I mean, would he freak out and dump her? Would he humiliate her publicly, publicly on his social media page? That which I trusted her, you know? Come on now. There's a lot of that flying around. And would he divorce her? So as it turned out, you know, Scripture says Mary had every reason to worry about Joseph. But here's the thing. He didn't freak out as far as we know. But watch this. He didn't try to humiliate her, but he did intend to divorce her. And I would too. Come on now. You are telling me of something that has never happened before in all of history. And you're telling me all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon you and you're pregnant. Right. Come on now. 
Come on, you got to get that feeling. I mean, you got to feel all this guy. We read this stuff. And we go, oh, Joseph's like, praise the Lord, be it unto me. Now this guy's like, you're nuts. No way. Come on now, guys. Can I get amen? This is, this is you know, crazy stuff. It's understandable. So it took, watch this, it, for, for Joseph, you just have to go by her word. It took another, super, hear me, a supernatural, angelic, in, coming from heaven to earth dream to shake Joseph and tell him this is real. This happened. He had to have a supernatural intervention from an angel in a dream to speak to him that kept that from happening. And the angel told him to trust Mary. And the angel also told Joseph that the child shall be named and called Jesus. Amen? Jesus. I just think how powerful that moment had to be. So having a vision and a dream from God was a sign that God approved. And so that spoke majorly to Joseph, and it, it jarred him, it shook him. But here's the thing about dreams. How many know you can forget dreams? Do you guys remember all your dreams? I don't. Sometimes I wake up and go, oh, I had this dream. What was it? I don't know, man, but it was like, and I typically don't dream because you have to be in deep, deep sleep. And Some of you just lay your head on the pillow and you're gone. You're in deep REM, not me. <clears throat> but, but so once in a while you have this dream, but how many know you can forget dreams? Just a little bunny trail here. I remember the story when, when they're at the temple, Jesus is 12 years old, and then the family entourage leaves, right, for three days. And then Mary goes, where is Jesus? Nobody knows. You think as a father, I get to my daughter Mariah here, and at and, and one time we, she was a situation, and oh, of course my heart, and she was with us, but anyhow, I won't get into all the detail. She came running, and she thought we left her, and we didn't, and my heart was like, ah! And I thought, yeah, come on, parents, has that ever? One time we had our son, and we, and we, you know, had a child. This is our first child. We put him in the little, you know, car seat thing. And we were so used to being single with no kids. He was sitting on the car seat, and we got in the van, and we said, I go back in the house. I mean, you know, it's just like what we're used to. He's sitting there, you know, like, oh, my God, son. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. <clears throat> And so anyhow, Jesus, three days is left, and then and they come back, and they're furious. Mary's, where were you? Like, Didn't you know about my father's business? Well, where was Joseph and all that? Driving, like, maybe he was thinking, you know, did I really have a dream? Come on now. Was that really from God? See, that's why you got to hang on to the dreams that God gives you. You gotta hang on to those dreams and know, no, God spoke to you. You gotta remind yourself. The Bible talks a lot about remembering, reminding, right? You know what? You did, you did deliver me in that situation. You did intervene. You did bring somebody across my path when I wasn't living right and doing right. And they spoke love and they reached out to me. Can I get an amen? You did, you did. You gotta remember those because Satan wants you to forget and believe lies. How many with me say amen? Almost done here. <clears throat> so, so jo yes, Joseph divorcing her was also on Mary's mind. And, but but for, for her saying yes to God, she, watch this, risk losing the guy she really loved. Yes, Lord, be it unto you know, me, as you have said. I could lose Joseph. He could flick me, and it'd be over, and this would be really, really sad. She loved him. Her whole future was on the line. And all of this was just the beginning, as we know the rest of the story. Mary could not know what the future would hold. Before it was all over, she would experience heartache. She would experience opposition, slander, lies, confusion. She would have anguish in her soul, despair, and loneliness. And then in the end, she would face the greatest pain a mother can endure. 
She would watch the son that she bore brutally beaten and nailed to a wooden cross and die. Wow, that's painful. Mary didn't know the full cost of saying yes at that time. She didn't. She didn't. But having made her decision, Mary never looked back. I wanted to just settle with you now. For those of you that may not know the Lord, for those of you who may think maybe it's just a mental ascent, for those of you who don't have that assurance of salvation, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's adoption here into God's kingdom. And it's a decision you make. It's costly. It costs Christ his life. It's a free gift to you and I, but it's a choice you need to make to receive him. And it's a decision you make and you don't look back. Amen. So number one, Mary, she believed God when it seemed impossible. When God said, are you willing to believe the impossible? Mary said, yes, I am. Without that, yes, there would be no Christmas. Isn't that right? The second thing is, Mary, she never looked back. She made the decision, yes, what you want for my life, even though it may be difficult, even though my hunting buddies now ridicule me because I'm a believer, find new hunting buddies. Amen? You know, uh, just because my girlfriends right now, they don't like it. You know, I'm just starting talking about Bibles and study and reading God's word and growing in my faith. And they want nothing to do that because they just want to go clubbing, find more girlfriends. Can I get an amen? Yeah, see, see, there's a cost. The cost may not be our life. You know, if you're in Middle East or somewhere where Christians are being and, and killed all the time, more than ever, martyrs for Christ. But here in America, Mary believed she didn't look back. And the third thing, Mary believed God's word over the lies about her. Oh, God's word to her, she chose to say yes to God. Now, in conclusion, I want to talk to you about believing the lies. You know, the story of God's redemption is an amazing reality. And here's the thing. Salvation, because of what Christ did, is available to all who will believe and repent and receive. I have, to, I have to clarify this because there's confusion up here in the upper Midwest. They just think, you know what? Jesus died on the cross. He died for all of us. Great. That's wonderful. I don't get it. You have to receive that gift. You need to be converted. That means you need to open your mouth and say, you know what, Jesus, I invite you in. We believe and preach and teach that here at this church because that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means you open your mouth. Last week we had a powerful service of water baptism. The next step, there's always steps in your faith. God brings you through. Amen? And so, but, but what happened is we believe the lies. We believe the lies. You know, and I think a, a, a definition of a lie, I was thinking of this morning, it's this. Something that misleads or deceives. Is there anything that's misleading or deceiving you right now in your life? Watch this. I want to challenge you to stop believing the lies here. The lies that you're too bad. You screwed up too, too much. You really, really messed up. I mean, God doesn't want me. You've messed up way too much. How can God forgive me? I knew better. I may have grown up in the church. I knew better. You know what? I need to suffer for my sins. I did what I did is wrong. I, I, need, to, I need to suffer for my sins and you know what? I made my bed. I got a lie in it now. I've never heard that before. These are all lies. I said, these are lies from the devil. See, here's the thing. Believing the lies of Satan, it will bind you. It will impede you. It'll impede the purposes of God for your life. Why? Because Satan is a deceiver and he's a liar. And he constantly will tell you lies. Lies that say, I can't change. I am an alcoholic. 
I am addicted to some addiction. and I can't be set free. This is just the way I am. That's a lie. It's a lie. Not an alcoholic, drug addict. You're not, no. You could be the new creature in Christ Jesus. You know, when I think about, as we conclude here, about living life based on lies, it reminds me of the story of a young girl. Years ago, her name was Elizabeth Smart. Some of you may remember that she was abducted at the age of 14. It was June 5th, 2002. She was abducted from a home in Salt Lake City by a man named Brian David Mitchell, who was totally demonized. And he used religion as a crutch, but he was demonized. You need to understand, when people like this do this, they are demonized by the devil, and they use religion in it to defame the name of Christ. It is not Christianity. And even though he may have been a street preacher, whatever, he was a nut job. Okay, you just need to hear that. You heard it from me. He was demonized, proclaiming he knew Christ, but he was demonized. And so he took this girl, this little precious girl, and his wife was even involved with Wanda Barcy. David Mitchell held young Elizabeth Smart for nine months and abused her daily until she was rescued by authorities on a street in Sandy, Utah, which was less than 20 miles from her home. Can you imagine that? As Elizabeth's story during her captivity unfolded, they relate this as they, 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 they talked with her, it was clear that she could have escaped, watch this, several times before she was recognized by neighbors who contacted the police. In other words, there was multiple encounters where she could have been set free. She relates the horrific account that her abductor often took her out in public, veiled, disguised, and even brought her to the local library one time. Can you imagine that? There's cameras everywhere in libraries. During one such outing, this is amazing when I read this, the police stopped them and asked them if they had seen a local girl gone missing named Elizabeth Smart. Oh, my God. I, I just can't believe that. So she's standing with this perpetrator in front of a police officer. She said nothing. Why? She was fed lies by her abductor. She was convinced that something bad would happen if she told the truth about her identity. She thought Mitchell and his wife would hurt not only her, but also her family, and rightfully so in the situation she was in. But her fear of something that wasn't true in that moment of freedom kept her from being free. Did you hear that? In the moment of freedom, right now, this is a moment of freedom for some of you. It's a moment of freedom. The reality of fear what was being there was real. But there's always moments of freedom that God brings to our life, and we have a choice to make. You have a choice to make, every single person here. It kept her from her freedom, and she said nothing. Friends, this is how the devil operates. This is how he operates. The Bible says he has power in this world, but he has no authority. Did you get that? That's not a play on words. He has power. Don't think the devil don't have a big bite. Look, look around. Look what's going on. <clears throat> he has power, but he doesn't have legal authority. What do you mean? How many know that if you're strong enough, whatever, you could stand out in the middle of the road. If there's an 18-wheeler coming, you can go, you know what? I can stop this. How many know you're going to get blasted? Isn't that right? But if it's a small car, whatever. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, I had these three guys and I would power lift with them now and then. And these guys were really crazy. And someone nicked his car. 
uh, we were actually going to see Conan the Barbarian at the time. Go figure, you know. And, and so he nicked his car, and these three guys came out. And the car that nicked it was like a little Volkswagen. It was green. He goes, this is the car that did it. So they grabbed the car, and they flipped it right over, <laughs> and they took off. Crazy. It was just crazy. But, but the, the, the point is, is that you may think you have, you know, power, a certain amount of power, but how many know if a police officer in a uniform holds his hands up, that vehicle stops? That's authority. All right? He has no authority, but he does have power. Christ has superseded and given you authority over him. He's given you authority to supersede the lies of the devil. Before Christ, good luck. You're, if you make it, you, you might make, you're not going to make it. You're going to fall under the lies. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? You will believe the lies. And many of us, we believe lies our whole life about what God says about us, who you are. And we adhere to these, and it holds us back. It impedes our growth. Mary said yes to God. She didn't understand what it totally meant, but she said yes. And the Holy Spirit is calling. Some of you here this morning, he's calling all of us. He's calling all of us to stop believing the lies. Can you say amen? The lies, the lies. Satan has, <clears throat> he pretends, let me just say it this way. He pretends to have authority over us, but it's not true. It's not true. He poisons our minds. He keeps talking to us until we believe him. You're stupid. You're ugly. No, you can't. You can't handle that. You can't do that. You'll never make it. You're stupid. You're ugly. Until you believe that and you walk around and it shapes who you are. Those are lies. And you know what? Today those lies are coming down in Jesus' name. They're coming down off of your life. I even feel this deliverance coming even into this room. Coming down. Coming down. And so what happens is when we keep listening to these things, we accept his lies as truth, letting him into our thoughts so that they poison our emotions and then they actually influence our actions. Dad was a drunk. I'll always be a drunk. No, what told, who, what told you that's who you are? It was a lie from the enemy in your mind. You believed a lie. How am I with me? Say amen. He pretends to have authority over us, but it's not true. We have been given authority through the power of Jesus Christ and his spirit who dwells in us. Can you say amen? 2 Timothy 2.28 says, says this, that they will come to their senses. Wow. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap, the snare of the devil, and it goes on to say that they may awaken from the lies of the devil, awaken from the lies of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You need to go back and read that. That's a powerful verse. That's what the lies of the devil do to us. Stand with me if you would, please. Worship team, you can come forward. We're going to conclude. And yes, we're going to have a candlelight service here, just sing some songs. We're going to light our candles and... But the most important thing here, please, nobody moving around, please. And as you stand, just be still, please, if you would. Here's the sad truth. Too often, we believe the lies of Satan over God's truth in our life. We believe those lies over God's truth. You know what? There's freedom in this place here today. I said there's freedom in this place over Satan's lies. Jesus can and he will forgive you and save you no matter what you have done. I knew better. I should have. Jesus can and will forgive you and restore you if you choose. If you choose that. Our response should be like Mary's. I don't get the whole picture. I don't understand the magnitude of me saying yes. But I'm going to take that step of faith today and say yes. Yes, Jesus. Be it unto me 
what you declared over my life. The moment you make that choice and that decision, the Spirit of God comes and lives within your spirit, man or woman, and you are born again. And now you have hope and victory and overcome. And like I said this before, big religious word, sanctification, all it means is it's a gradual process. Doesn't mean you won't screw up. Doesn't mean you won't fall down. Doesn't mean you won't trip up, have mistakes in the future. Doesn't mean you won't stumble. No, all it means is you can get back up and be in right standing with God and move forward in cleansing. Every head bowed, please, this morning. How do you say yes to Jesus? It's very simple. The Bible says that we are to repent and believe the good news. Pastor, if you knew what I've been doing, how I've been living, I've been living in the closet for so many years. If I came out, my life would be over. That's a lie of the devil. It's time for you to come to freedom here today. It's time for you to respond and say yes. Say yes to Jesus. The Bible says when we repent and believe the good news, faith is action. It's decision. You decide to believe. You decided to come to church. Maybe somebody invited you here today. Thank you for being here. It's a decision and a choice you made. That's just like faith. No decision is a decision. Right now in this holy moment, the decision is to receive Christ and give your life to him. And say, how do I do that, Pastor? It's very simple. You're not joining this church, but you're joining the family of God. You said, Pastor, pray for me. I need, I need to get right. I need to get right with God. And I, I, I want what God has for me. I don't want to thwart that. I don't, I don't want to impede that. I, I want what God has for my life. And I'll make it this today. Making this decision today. And, and I don't understand what this yes means totally, but I'm going to step out in faith. That's you. With every head bowed, let's pray together. Say to me, say, Jesus, I believe died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Save me. Cleanse me. I give you my life. Now take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320 759 1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.